are joining Breadcrumb Theory, a modern-day podcast navigating the digital age. We are your hosts, Melissa Schwass and Eric Shear. Welcome. What are we talking about today, Eric? I think connection through COVID, right? How do we connect and how we've been forced to connect differently uh, in in this day and age of social distancing and, and stay at home versus kind of how we were doing it prior? Yeah, the world is definitely operating differently, obviously, due to COVID. We're seeing a, an array of states opening and shutting down. People are concerned about travel. And, and I know that a lot of companies are switching to remote work. And so that, that makes that human connection even more important now, but I think a lot more challenging. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think COVID challenged a lot of, of beliefs about you know how we interact socially and at a business level. You know, for instance, you and I being in technology are, are very familiar with virtual meetings, working remotely, and, and being able to work effectively as a team, regardless of whether we're in an office or we're in our home office. So not everyone has had that luxury before. And a lot of companies, and I think a lot of even tech companies for that matter, depending on your role, you know, would say that, oh, well, face-to-face is, is better, right? Like that it, I think COVID challenged a lot of like long-held beliefs about how business should be done, right? And then the types of connections to be successful in, in like the sales cycle, for instance. So uh, I think all of that's been turned on its head. And now we get to kind of figure out what the new normal is going to be going forward. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. I do believe there is value in meeting face-to-face. I think brainstorming new ideas, that's important to do in person. But I think we're learning that we don't have to have constant business travel. We don't have to be always in meetings in person. And technology such as Zoom or WebEx or Meet Me FaceTime has really allowed the world to stay connected during this time that's really unprecedented for all of us. Oh, yeah. And you're absolutely right. I I believe that meeting face-to-face is still a critical element. But to your point, we don't need to do it in a day in and day out. We don't need to be in the office every day to be productive. Uh, and I think that's, the, that's what COVID has exposed is that the concern was everything is going to fall apart. Like, how are we going to get this done? How are we actually going to hold meetings with our clients when we used to get on airplanes? And the fact of the matter is, doesn't really affect that much at all, right? But you still miss the camaraderie, the creativity, and the ability to do things that you do when you get a group of people in the same room. So how do you balance that going forward? And what is that going to look like? Yeah, we've experienced several years of digital transformation in a matter of months. And, and so, of course, we're all a little uncomfortable right now. And we're all really adapting to new technologies But I think today is especially important because I don't know about you, Eric, I am booked back to back with Zoom meetings every single day. And I even do Zoom happy hours. I Zoom with my family. And there was a couple of weeks there where I was just like, okay, no more. No more Zoom meetings right now. I can't play any more Jackpot games or Cards Against Humanity. I just need a break. Oh, yeah. No, I, you know, I find it it was a fun experiment at first, like, oh, let's do a Zoom happy hour and whatever. And you're like, yay, we are all in the meeting and we all have our drink and whatever. But I mean, quickly, being social in a in a casual setting, I don't think Zoom or, and we were picking on Zoom because that's the biggest one, but obviously there are other platforms, Gchat, WebEx, Meet Me, FaceTime. All of these sure. things are great when you when you can't get together in person. So I feel like the Zoom sing-along, the, the Zoom happy hours are really 
they don't do what they're intended to do. I feel like like you, they're more fatiguing, and I really just don't want to have to go through the the paces. I just want to disconnect at that point. Yeah, I think we should really drill down into why Zoom fatigue is a real phenomenon. And it's obviously very recent because we're all forced to really stay in our homes or within several miles of where we live. So I'd like to drill down into why that is such a huge impact on our lives. You know, we're not used to seeing ourselves on video as we chat to others. And so it's almost like we've become hyper aware of what we look like on a digital screen, almost more so than we would in a meeting. So not just you know what we look like for the day, but what what are our mannerisms? I know Eric, you even just stopped your video because you're just like I'm not watching video right now. <laughs> oh right, yeah. So that that that's two very uh, interesting things. One is, yeah, you have to you face your your self esteem issues on camera no because doubt. you're you're always on there and depending on where your cameras are and everything else, not everybody has a, you know, usually you're on your laptop camera, right? And and so you, you're never looking at anybody in the eye. So you're looking down or if your lighting is bad, you just, yeah, you're judging yourself all the time. I feel like an entire industry will pop up about how to look good on Zoom. You know, <laughs> it'll be Zoom makeup and it won't be for women. It'll be like, you need to look your best for that meeting on Zoom. Then you need to use such and such product for sure. So that is something, getting used to seeing yourself on video and then dressing because we're at home, right? It's it's very casual. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and at the beginning of this, everybody was dressing like they were going to work. Everyone looked really sharp and we're trying to maintain that image. But as the time has gone by, I mean, I don't care if you're an executive, a high-powered executive for a large company. I've seen everybody show up in ball caps and t-shirts. So I there am is that, that aspect person. of it. <laughs> right, me too. Like, like, yeah, oh my. my meetings start at like 6 a.m., 6.30. So my customer actually jokes like, where's Melissa? Where's her ball cap? So there is no shame in a ball cap. There is no shame in wearing pajamas on the bottom, professional on top, you know, the professional Zoom mullet. No shame in that. I Yeah. <laughs> like uh, my bad haircut is just what I stare at all the time on camera. I'm like, oh, man, maybe I should have just waited uh, instead of try <laughs> trying to do this myself. You get an A for effort. Yeah, that's right. You know, I think another item is a positive and a negative, but you can't really have small talk with people on Zoom, right? It's hard to have sidebars like you could have in a, a real life meeting where you have these little pockets of conversations and you have these bonding moments. You can't really have that on Zoom because if you have them, then it's noise confusion because too many people are talking at once. So a positive and a negative, but I wonder if people aren't having the small talk that they were once having with their, their colleagues now. You know, I think they, they do. Um, and like we were talking about earlier, there are other tools. So if you have Slack or, you know, Gchat or some other mechanism, even the chat that's built into Zoom, you can have sidebar bar chats, right? But to your point, the problem with being in Zoom meetings for the most part is I feel like they're, they're sterilized versions of how you'd actually act in a meeting. So you're getting your dialogue out, you're having the meeting. But like you said, it's kind of like, I've got the talking stick. It's my turn. I'm going to say what I need to say. And you can't kind of have that back and forth, that collaboration. So I think there's ways to get around that. But still, I, I agree, you're, you're missing out on some of the, the smaller subtexts and, and nuances of uh, the ability to collaborate is challenging sometimes. I used to call myself a professional meeting facilitator. 
Um, so I have a love-hate relationship with meetings. I think everyone does. There's a purpose of them. I just think we live in an, a world where we overbook ourselves personally, and that's just outside and inside of Zoom. There's only so much Zoom you can fit in a day, and both you and I are on Zoom pretty much full-time at this point uh, in our day jobs, and it gets exhausting. And so I think that the problem with Zoom versus you know tr- you know the traditional ways we used to do things is that you mentally fatigued much faster. And that's what I've noticed. Because we have no set working hours, we don't have a set lunch, whatever, everything becomes an available time slot. And sometimes that that means we get very little downtime to, you know, to take a break, to unplug, take a quick walk and whatever. You have to schedule that intentionally to break up your day. Otherwise, you know, you end up with Zoom neck. <laughs> Zoom neck and Zoom fatigue. Right. Yeah, I think that's an important point you point out. I read an article the other day, and I believe it was like 40 to 50% of our tasks are what could be considered busy work. So they're not really productive to what is essential to our job. And I also just read uh, the book Essentialism, which I really, really encourage anybody to read if they're trying to just really kick out everything that feels exhaustive to, to them in their life, doesn't really feel like it's providing meaning. That's really what the book's about. And essentialism really focuses on what is essential to the task you're doing or the job you're doing at hand. And I think what we'll find is that a lot of these meetings we attend, don't, they don't really apply to what we do. So it, you could just be a person that was CC'd on the invite just for awareness, but we get suckered into attending. Really ask yourself if that meeting's important to you. Because I bet you if you just ask for the meeting minutes or you follow up with the person who's hosting the meeting afterwards, you'll find that you just saved yourself a good 30 to 60 minutes in your day. And I've been practicing that a lot more. And I have to say my happiness level has gone up exponentially. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And you know what else I've noticed about this whole uh, connection through COVID is that people are more willing to pick up the phone than yes. they have been before, which is awesome because I hate typing. So texting and chat is great. It's a great tool to communicate, but I don't want to have an entire conversation that way. So I have noticed an uptick in phone usage, which, you know, what was old is new again, which I guess is, uh, for me, is a a benefit. Yeah, no doubt. And that's actually a great segue, because we've talked about some of the issues we're having with Zoom and, and some of the mental health and concerns of just always being plugged in to video chat. I think that we should talk about some ways to combat that fatigue or how we can really balance our digital lives and just inside of work and in our personal lives. And definitely talking to somebody on the phone is one of those. We don't always have the video chat just because the technology is available to us. Now, remember, technology is a tool. So what tool is important to you at that time? I will go on walks. I try to go on a daily walk every day. It's important to me to clear my head and I'll call my mom or I'll call somebody else. And I'm not on video. They don't want to see my neck as I'm walking in the park. And I think phone, just standard phone calls are just, just an underutilized tool. And I love talking to people on the phone one-on-one, especially now you get to know them in such a different way versus video or in-person meetings. Right. I feel like video, there's an audition, like you need to do something in the video. Like uh, Even in a business setting, it's like, I just want to see your face. Okay. But do I, do I stare blindly into my camera the entire time when I'm not speaking? I mean, there are times where I feel like it's overkill. And you, it's, like you said, you don't need it, you know, unless there's really a good reason to be on video that 
maybe if you're speaking and you're addressing everybody, you can turn your camera on and then you can turn it off if you're being passive. I don't like the I'm being, I could be possibly being watched aspect of large Zoom meetings. Ooh, big brother. Yeah. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> well, Eric, what are some tips that, that you've learned through your time of working at home that you feel are important to combat Zoom fatigue or in your case, Zoom neck? Right. So everybody has a place where they work in their home. That could be a dedicated office. Uh, maybe that's at your dining room table, you know, wherever that is. What I did that helps me break up the day is I have my main office where I do the bulk of my work, but I also have other areas of the house that I've set aside as a change of venue. So I, I'll go out on my deck you Ooh. know, with my laptop and just it's more relaxing. It's easier to just kind of to, to work in that environment. So I'm not sitting at a desk all day and I have a standing desk. So I get up and stand. And then like you, I take walks, right? I at least got to walk around, kind of shake it out. You know, just you just need a five or 10 minute break and a change of scenery. And that's, that's what I like. So I usually kind of rotate throughout the day to different locations, depending on what I'm doing. Nice. I do the same. I've traveled a lot for work. And that's not happening now. So I have a couple of portable monitors. And so I really encourage anybody who loves the two to three screen setup to get a couple portable monitors if you like to jump around in your house. They're not very expensive. So I like to take my portable monitor and just go to my kitchen counter and I'll stand up and work there because we all know that sitting is a new smoking. And so it's important for me to move. Otherwise, I'll get sucked into the hole. Four hours will pass and I'll just be like, oh man, I forgot to eat lunch. And we, we have to take care of ourselves in these times. Self-care is such an important concept and really is vital to you being more productive. So I think that ties into another fear people have is that when they're working at home, if you haven't traditionally done that prior, there's this fear as you get adjusted that, oh, my boss is worried about my level of work. I always have to be on to show that I'm committed to the office. And that's not really the case. And if you do have that fear, you should definitely talk to your manager and your leadership because they want you to be at ease because you then provide better work. You're more productive. And so we've all had that fear at some point in our career. Eric and I take it for granted that we've worked from home. So we've gone through this already. Trust me, if you have that fear, it's normal. Talk to someone. It's important to take care of yourself first and foremost because you are more productive to your loved ones. You are more productive to your office. You're just a nicer person to be around. No, I agree. Like, uh, I know for, for us, as you said, we, we take it for granted. And a lot of people, it's always very interesting. Like, uh, it's, I, I like watching the light bulb go off. They're like, wow, I'm really productive. Um, That's amazing. Uh, yeah, they're like, this is incredible. You know, because, you know, how much water cooler talk do you get sucked in? I mean, the office, to counter the point earlier where it's nice to, you know, have, you know, in-person meetings or whatever, is also a giant time suck, right? So how much are we actually getting done when we're at work in a traditional office? Um, That's and, you true. Know, how much busy work, how much you know, sidebar conversations are we having that actually rob you of productivity? One of the things that I like, and I got this uh, from Tim Ferriss, and I think it was the four-hour work week that he, he wrote about creating an autoresponder for your email. Hmm. Um, one of the things that I feel like, uh, and I'm guilty of this myself, which is, when somebody either you know, chats you or sends you an email, when you're sitting at home by yourself, there's this overwhelming need to immediately deal with whatever it is the ask is. And that gets overwhelming, especially in roles where you get a lot of email and you can get overwhelmed really easily by requests 
and other things. So creating an, uh, uh, an autoresponder within like your email account basically lets people know that, hey, I check my email several times a day and I will get back to you as soon as possible. However, if you need to contact me immediately, text me or you know, pick up the phone and call me uh, uh, to, to talk to me immediately. And some of these tips are nice because they'll help you from getting overwhelmed, especially on times where, you know, like right now we're at the end of our fiscal year for my company and it's crazy. All right. And it's just a nonstop barrage of emails and meeting requests and all kinds of stuff where, you got to squeeze it in, Eric. You got to squeeze it in. So get, you have to be able to push back a little bit and give yourself some space. Otherwise, uh, your mental health is going to suffer. Yeah, I think that just shows, you know, we're, this is a, an episode on, on Zoom, but it shows how really collaborative all of these tools we use are, right? Because it's not just Zoom. You can chat in Zoom. Sometimes when you're on a Zoom, you'll get an email from somebody on the same Zoom. So just use the right tool that applies to you. and. To follow up with that comment, Eric, I think if you're sending two to three emails back and forth with the person you're communicating with, just pick up the phone. That'll take you far less time. You have less less email to weed through. And you know what? You might get to have a, a quick chat with that person and connect with a real-life human. Oh, for sure. And it's so much better. And you'll get exactly what you need. And you know, you don't have to worry about losing context and uh, and everything else. So sometimes you know, the old, old school is still the way to go. I don't even know if that's old school. But, you know, I think they've been saying that email or just traditional ways of communicating uh, on the phone have been dying forever, but they're really never going to go away. No, they're going to, we're going to change how, how we use them. And, and uh, you know, they may morph into something else, but yeah, nothing will be actually talking to another human being as much as you may not want to. Yeah. This next tip, this one cracks me up because I remember the first time you and I had our Zoom after COVID hit, your virtual background you were using was so real. I thought you were in a, a restaurant or at a cafe and then I had to stop and pause and, and think. And, and I was like, wait, you can't be anywhere. What are you using? So I know, Eric, you're a huge fan of virtual backgrounds. Yeah, I like them. Uh, I have taupe walls and the lighting sucks in here. So if um, I like a bright background, so I usually put myself at a beach or in a mansion or something that uh, is kind of fun, uh, or an office or something that, that it helps with lighting. It also helps with, uh, like you said, not everybody has a dedicated office space. I do, so my background looks like an office, but or my office looks like an office. That's a stupid statement. Um, but <laughs> but there are yeah, no stupid statements. There are no stupid statements. Only stupid backgrounds for Zoom. Um, <laughs> So I like to, I, I use them. They're not always great, um, you know, especially if you don't have the horsepower on your on your laptop or computer to to do the rendering. It kind of looks pretty pretty bad. But you know, uh, something to play with for sure. Uh, they're fun, and uh, now that everybody knows how they work, uh, you know, getting on meetings can be pretty interesting sometimes. I have some pretty creative meetings with my customers. They'll rotate backgrounds while we're on the meeting. It's a way to really just have fun with each other. And so they have like Zoom virtual background face-offs, if you will, to see who can have the funniest background. And I have seen the most hilarious backgrounds. Those guys crack me up like no other. I will admit, I don't use virtual backgrounds. I don't have preference one way or the other. I just haven't used them. But I do actually enjoy seeing into people's homes um, and just getting a glimpse into their personal lives. I had a customer a month ago, his little one, probably three or younger, was really upset and just really wanted to sit on his lap. 
And he was just like, you know what, guys? Sorry, this is real life. I'm going to put him on my lap. And he did. And I was just like, you know what? Do not apologize because we're real people. And I think we need to remember that outside of work, we're real people. And so I really enjoy seeing people being moms, dads. That just, that shows me that human connection in our, our daily work lives. Yeah, no, that's actually a, phen- a phenomenal point, which is, you know, you don't have to be so straight laced and stiff at work, right? That's things happen. And you know what happens? Nothing. Your son sitting on your lap or your daughter sitting on your lap is not going to kill a deal. It's not going to, you know, put off a customer. Um, you know, it's not going to make you look, uh, you know, less professional, uh, especially in this day and age. I think everybody gets that, right? But, you know, tradition, our traditional business doctrines mean, oh, we have to operate in this kind of, in this lane, right, that, that says that. And I think those types of things are being challenged. So when we kind of go back to normal and we start interacting with each other, how much of what we've been doing in COVID is going to stick? and become part of, you know, the way we work in the future. Absolutely. And I think we're already seeing that now. Companies say, stating they'll let their employees work from home forever if they want. And so it'll be interesting to see what the new normal will be. I fall into that trap of having to be polished and professional. And I just have to remind myself that we really are all human at the end of the day. Right. You're still going to get business and the earth will keep on going. We are not that big of a deal. No, no, <laughs> we we're really not. aren't. So Eric, we've talked about a lot today. I guess, what are some tips we want to leave with our audience? So I think if you're working from home, then, you know, really it's about breaking your day up, making sure that you take time for yourself. And if that means scheduling breaks in your calendar and so to show your other coworkers and that you're not available during those times, that's, that's probably my biggest one. And I think for me, let's leave videos optional. Let's use video when it's important to use video, but I don't think we always have to be always on. That's a culture we live in right now. It's okay to really pull away from that and leverage the tool that's most important to you and impactful to you at that time. Awesome. Well, I think we're about ready to wrap up, everyone. Uh, Thanks again for checking out Breadcrumb Theory. You can check us out at breadcrumbtheory.com, social media, and all your podcast streaming apps. Subscribe. As you get to know us, leave us a review. Until next time, thanks, everyone.